Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Shay Mandel, or Chef Shay, the founder of Works to Cooks, a culinary school for children. Welcome, Shay. Thank you so much, Marge, for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm very glad we found the time to, to have this conversation. Shay, please tell us a little about yourself, your background. How did this all get started? Sure thing. Okay, so about me. Uh, in a nutshell, I'm a chef, I'm a teacher, I'm an entrepreneur, and um, I'm a nature enthusiast. I'm, you know, a wild animal running in the woods. That's kind of my 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 inner self. Um, and so that's kind of like the cliff notes of me in general. I'm passionate about science, cooking, baking, and nutrition, health, wellness, and community. These are kind of, um, you know, the focuses that have been in my life lately. And uh I plan to continue to invest in moving forward. Very nice. Now, as a child, were you all often in the kitchen cooking? So as a child, as far as I can remember, I've always had an attraction to cooking, to baking, just working with food, kind of taking nothing and turning it into something. I've always been like fascinated and drawn to that process for sure. I didn't have anyone t teaching me how to cook. Like I grew up in the nineties and, and that was the time where they, the government was kind of coming in and taking cooking programs out of schools. So I unfortunately did not have the experience of going to school and having like a home ec class or, you know, another class where I can learn to cook. And my, my mom didn't cook. still doesn't cook is not really big into food. Okay. My dad more so, but he worked all the time. Um, he had his own business and was an entrepreneur at the time. So completely invested in what he did. So no one taught me, I just kind of was left to my own devices and did cook. But it was like something simple, like taking zucchini, slicing it up, throwing it in a pan, adding soy sauce and calling it sashimi, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. But I was creating, you know, creating something at the time. Yeah. Okay, interesting. It's it's so you don't need a uh, mother who was a great cook to be a great cook. No, um, I don't think so at all. Yeah. I I don't even think you need a mentor or someone there to show you. But you, in order to be successful as a cook, without that help, you need to have that like passion, drive, instinct, intuition. Um, you know, hunger for self learning. And that's what I always had, like even in my years of working as a chef professionally. So going back to my background a little bit, um, ever since I was a teenager, I worked in the industry and worked my way up and held a bajillion different positions. As, as a chef, I'm sure if you've talked to other chefs, we don't like to stay in one place. You know, mm -hmm. once you've learned the menu, you're off to the next place. And that's kind of what my career looked like for a long time. And um, all through that, career, being a female in the industry, especially, I was left to my own devices, I was not nurtured. You know, the chefs that I worked under, they were um, all men, and typically mentored 
the my male colleagues. So mm-hmm. I kind of liked that and didn't like that for various reasons, but I appreciated the freedom and I feel a lot more proud of where I am now because I feel like I I mm-hmm. I paved the way for myself and I, that gives me a lot of um, confidence and self-respect. So you don't need a mentor. It certainly helps. And later in my career, I look to, you know, YouTube or, um, you know, I spoke to friends and colleagues. I didn't have a mentor specifically, but I learned from other people and and kind of, uh, you know, created my folder of recipes and tips and tricks through watching and learning rather than getting someone to show me everything. Okay. Thank you for that. Some wise words. So back in 2016, you started Works to Cooks. You registered your business. And then mm-hmm. you had to deal with the pandemic uh, a couple years later. Were you offering the virtual uh, classes pre-pandemic? And do you have a professional videography? Because there's some really good pictures and videos. So to answer your question, when I founded the company back in 2016, um, I did not have any virtual programming, didn't even have the idea of virtual programming. That only came to fruition actually in September of 2019, before the pandemic. Hmm. Um, Yeah, before the pandemic, this is kind of, it was such a great lesson for me, side note, away from Rooks to Cooks and my career and all that, but intuition and learning what that is and your gut instinct and, and just being able to decipher that between fear and also you know, just kind of like ideas. What is what is intuition? September 2019, I had this overwhelming feeling of creating this virtual format. I did the research. I looked at the competitors out there. I even held this massive meeting with my team to discuss it. We did. We looked at it. And then we ultimately decided, let's just build out our year-round programming instead, like what we've been doing, our, our in-person programming. You know, I, I've always led the company from a place of considering all perspectives i'm you know just because i'm the founder and ceo does not mean my way is the highway i want us all to make decisions together that's what we did Uh, but i had this drive that i couldn't ignore and then of course the pandemic hit and so Mm -hmm. when it hit um it was like a wrecking ball to everything i had worked for just like many other businesses at the time um i was not well mentally i also injured myself and there was so much other stuff going on we don't have to get into it was a hard time and somehow like something within me just kept chugging on. I completely rebuilt the company from the ground floor. Thanks to the virtual format. I'm so, I'm so grateful for the fact that I have a content matter that could have been turned into virtual because there's a lot of companies who could not have done that. And also other youth programming that couldn't do that. So I was fortunate as fortunate can be in that situation and started running virtual programs of, from then on until even today, we still we still um, run virtual programs, and I'm obsessed with them. I think they're amazing. They offer something um, benefits that our in-person programs don't, like letting you know teaching kids how to work within their own kitchen. You know, fitting in this this continuous culinary education in a way that fits into people's lives quite easily. You know, after school they come home anyways. They got to make dinner. Why not? join an after school program online, do it in their own kitchen and then have dinner on the table for their family an hour and a half later. It's just, I could go on and on, but there's a lot of benefits to the virtual platform that um, I personally am, I'm, I'm in love with. I love it. It's so great. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Now my question, do you, who films, how does this, how does the whole system work? Where are the cameras? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> okay, so in terms of all of our high quality photos and images on our website, or I, I got to thank my mom and sister. So mm -hmm. my mom is actually a an unbelievable nature photographer. Shout out to Missy Mandel <laughs> photography mm -hmm. there. So I uh, I think kids and animals maybe aren't that different. They're hard to hard to photograph because they're moving all over the place. So she helps out with a lot of that. Um, anytime I ask her to come into our program and take some pictures, she does. She's the best mom. My sister is also an incredibly successful commercial photographer in Toronto. Um, with her, it's a bit more, I, you know, scratch my back, scratch your back. But uh, a lot of the pictures that we have uh, are come from those two. Other than that, our videography, you know, I'm always open to my staff. Like, I look at my staff, like who has these side hobbies that they love videography, they love photography and get them involved when I can even uh, current and previous students where this is like a project for them you know I just want it to be all in-house and have us uh, be proud of what we're creating together as a team so we don't really hire anyone out to do this videography or photography we keep it all in in terms of the zoom classes they are, are virtual it's all on zoom we don't have any sort of special equipment it's a tripod and zoom and it's amazing what you can achieve with just minimal you know materials like that mm -hmm. okay thank you for that it's that's encouraging for me because i i like you to do more this. and it's like okay i don't need all this high-tech equipment okay no, no. uh you will be offering in-person classes in richmond hill uh, as one week summer programs can you tell us about that and what will the kids experience? Yes. So this will be our third summer in Richmond Hill, I believe. Um, third or fourth. Maybe we missed one because of the pandemic. But uh, we, run, we run all of our in-person summer camps out of church facilities. We rent them. We move in. We're not affiliated with the church um, religiously. It's just a space we work out mm -hmm. of. And so we'll be back in Richmond Hill out of the same church and we essentially take over, set up our space and turn it into summer culinary school. So there will be, I think at Richmond Hill, nine consecutive weeks in the summer, starting that Canada Day long weekend, I believe it's Canada Day, right? July, is that, is that the one? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Usually I'm working, so I'm like, I don't even know it exists, but okay. yeah, so that weekend, and then it goes all the way until almost school starting, where we'll be mm -hmm. running in-person camps. Okay, so you're at St. Matthew's United Church, and the camp is basically nine to four sort of thing. Is that correct? Our camp is unreal. You have to come out and see it, Marge. Mm -hmm. It's gonna, you'll love it, but it's complicated. Our camp program is the bread and butter of our Rooks to Cooks business. You know, that is what the majority of our head office team focuses on all year round, just for those 10, nine weeks. There's a lot that goes into it. The program itself is structured like culinary school. So actually, side note, you know, when I, as I, I have a career as a chef, but I also have an undergrad in kinesiology, focused on health and nutrition for a good part of my schooling. Then I went to teacher's college, I became a certified teacher. And then after that, I went to culinary school, even though I had 10 years of chefing under my belt to, to get the perspective of what it's like to be a student in sort of this culinary environment. And then I modeled our Rooks to Cooks program after George Brown Culinary School. I took the good parts, left the bad parts, and then kind of put my own spin to it. And now you've got our program. So in, in a nutshell, like I said, nine, 10 weeks, each week is different, you know, different theme, different age group, um, max 20 kids per week. The way it works is they work in pairs for a good chunk of the recipes and we could cook anywhere from four to six recipes a day. It's 
it's intensive, but delivered in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. And uh, keep in mind, they've got professional chefs and a one to five staff to student ratio. So there, there's a lot of support, a lot of guidance through the process. But those morning recipes, they are actually becoming lunch for the kids. So they make their own lunch every day. And then the afternoon recipes are take home recipes, you know, recipes that require two day steps or even prep for our pop up restaurant. So every Friday, each week, we run a full scale restaurant. Imagine you're at a restaurant on a Friday night, but all the employees are children. That's essentially what we got going on. And it's a three course meal. Everything is made from scratch by the kids down to the simple syrups we use in our mocktail pairing for the for the meal. It's legit. Um, I want it to be super professional, high level. And really that pop-up is the opportunity for the kids to sit back and be able to reflect on how far they've come and what they're capable of, but also as a wake-up call for the parents and adults in the room to show them that with just one week of guidance and one week of you know support and encouragement and all of that, what you get with our program, look how look what they can do. You know, the kids are unbelievably capable and uh, unfortunately society just kind of sees them as children but they're just little people and better yet they have a far larger capacity to learn and achieve a skill set much faster than the the average adult so uh, I I know the potential in kids I see it every day but to see to finally get to show that to adults is is important so that the hope is they go home and then that growth and development is continued to be nurtured because we can only help them as far as we have them it's also the educating and encouraging of the parent to continue that growth. Yeah. Right? Wow. Okay. That is amazing. Uh, and I really <laughs> hope you have a wide impact on that. You have mentioned that you do uh, do more than your camps. That's your bread and butter. But you do yeah, have yeah. after school programs, in school programs, uh, birthday parties, as well as these virtual uh, classes. Uh, yeah, can we you do. tell us more about that? And um, yeah, what's your favorite thing to do? Well, in terms of what we offer, you know, we're the pandemic had a, hit the company hard. Like we were running a lot of different offerings, and we had really well built, uh, well built out revenue streams. And a pandemic came and wiped us out. And we've been just trying to, you know, almost rebuild. But I don't like to do anything half ass. I don't want to say mm. that, you know, but on the you know yeah. podcast, but it's either zero or a hundred. And uh, I have very, very high expectations for my team and how our program is to run. So unless we are going to hit that 12 out of 10 level and just, you know, achieve complete excellence in something, we're not doing it. So I wanted to get everything back on track. Camps are more than on track. Our, our programming is better than ever. And every year it gets better. Um, you know, so now we're reviving our after school offerings, both in schools and out of our churches. March break, winter break, which is all virtual this year. I'm really excited about. Uh, and we also have in-school offerings. So like we go into a school, we set up in the gym and we run, you know, one after the other of these cooking programs, like these classes that pair with the Ontario curriculum. And that's kind of where I get to exercise my teacher muscle. So like if a, if a teacher is in the middle of a math unit where they're teaching measurement, we have that conversation and we say, let's bring in a pasta workshop where they get to to uh, apply that learning and make it more relevant to them because you got to sell kids. You got to sell anyone on something, but you can't, you can't be shocked when you're teaching a math lesson on measurement or anything else, or even teaching a science lesson. And it's hard, you know, the kids aren't into it. It's Mm -hmm. just words to them. You need to 
you know, create that, that mesh of world and, and new content. And I believe cooking is the most amazing bridge for that because mm-hmm. it's fun. It's useful. It's productive and, and it's delicious, but it also make helps to make sense of things. So uh, personally that in school sort of um, our in school programming is something that I'm now focusing on to rebuild out. Cause it's just, it's amazing. Wow. So you obviously can't be, at every class. So you have found yeah. some other compassionate chefs. Can you talk about that mm-hmm. a bit? Absolutely. So, okay, firstly, I, I ended up selling the, the business in May of 21. Um, so after rebuilding and getting everything back on track, I sold the company in May of uh, 21. And that was a big decision for me because ultimately I wasn't happy being completely sucked into running this business and not getting to do the things I like to do. I, I founded the company because I wanted to take one plus two, my passion for cooking, my passion for education, and put it together and create a cook- cooking school for kids that I could teach. And what that happened was I ended up growing this business so fast that I became super out of touch with what makes me happy every day. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So I sold the company. It was the best move for me and best move for the company. Still is, and but remain on and involved because I still want to have you know involvement. I want to be continuously supportive to number one, upholding the expectations and raising that bar for ourselves every year, but also number two, giving myself time and space to do what I like to do. You know, my belief is we're all on this planet once, so you know, make the best of it and make sure you're happy every day, like happy and wellness, being happy and well is a top priority of mine. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge step back in a way, like step sideways, perhaps away from the inner workings of the business and more now um, being involved with the nurturing of our chef community. So a big part of my job now is recruitment. I, I pretty much am solely responsible for recruiting and training all of the staff that are involved in our program. Um, and just like the program itself, my expectations are incredibly high. I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. You might get that sense of me, but mm-hmm. like, wait until you see me bake a cake. I'm obsessed with everything that it is being perfect. And that goes hand in hand with the chefs and the staff that we have on our team. You know, what separates us for, uh, from other cooking schools for kids is our curriculum, our staff, and our actual, like the quality of our program. So that, that staff piece is critical. Like mm-hmm. our chefs are unbelievable, not only mm-hmm. professionally, like they've had the experience and they're amazing chefs, but they also bring that piece of the kids, you know, actually having experience and an appreciation for you, but also their ability to teach. You could be the best chef in the world and you can have the most amazing intentions, but can you honestly communicate to a child or a person how to do this? Like maybe, maybe not. So yeah. My interview process is crit- is very intensive to even get to the point where you you have that interview with me, you have to go through multiple steps. And then the interview itself is both um, questions, but also a practical component where they have to teach me how to make pancakes as if I was a group of children. So there's a lot that goes on to vetting our staff, training our staff, um, and they are truly the cream of the crop. And I can say that with complete honesty, because it is my job to make sure of that. And I Trust me, it, it, there's no stone that gets uh, left unturned. Okay. Woo. Thank you. That uh, answers a lot of questions. Now, your campers wear a uniform, a chef shirt. Maybe there's, there's another name for it. And uh, an apron. Uh, mm-hmm. They do look very impressive. Uh, very 
uh, uh, yeah, professional. So mm-hmm. they're, they're dressed for the part. Now, yeah. what are the reasons for having that shirt and that apron? So yes, our uniform is comprised of the chef coat. Uh, it's actually the same quality and grade as an adult chef coat uh, and an apron same quality and grade as an adult chef apron and a cut resistant glove is also part of the uniform. So number one, safety, because the the materials used in all of that are fire resistant and um, obviously protects them against getting burn splatters and and is cut resistant, like even using the glove itself, like you'd have to try pretty hard to cut through that glove into your finger. So safety is number one. And the safety of our campers, our students in any of our programs is our number one priority. That is both physical and emotional safety. Um, also, it's just like uh, my, my partner will tell you, you know, looking, looking the part is 50% of the battle. A lot of the time when those, those uh, our students put on their uniform, they are putting on a different headspace mentality. They are putting on that I'm ready to cook. I'm ready to focus. I'm ready to be disciplined. I'm ready to be serious, you know, because our program is fun and inviting and that's, it all comes with the part, but we are serious. We, we are working with knives, gas burners, lots of high risk equipment. So I don't, I, my chefs and I, we do not sugarcoat the fact that these, these guys, these kids have to be in the right headspace to work with this, this equipment and they have to show us that they are mature enough to handle it. If they're not, they ain't going to work with it, mm-hmm. you know? So that chef coat puts them in the right headspace. And then also, uh, of course, you know, it looks good. It, it's on brand. It, it just furthers to what we're all about, which is that professionalism piece. But then they take home the, the uniform. It's theirs to keep. And the hope is they put that on when they're cooking at home and they put on that mindset, they put on that headspace um, and they continue to cook when they get, when they're out of our program. Very nice. Okay. Next question. Do you think that children who really know how to cook, who like to cook are healthier? Um, well, it's, you can cooking and baking. It depends on what you're cooking and baking. Mm-hmm. and how much of that you're eating and are you do you understand like there's a lot of pieces to that in order to be healthy I would say um, in our program without a doubt because not only are we teaching them how to cook and bake but we're, we're teaching them that nutrition piece mm-hmm. you know what are they actually putting in their mouth um, our curriculum is not just the hows and the whys but it's also the what's and it's the theories and it's the nutrition so we teach them that and more importantly, you ha- just like with math, you have to sell it. You have to sell it on, you know, to them. Why is it important? I'm not all about positive or negative reinforcement because I'm I'm really big on teaching kids or instilling intrinsic motivation. How do you get to inside them? How do you how do you get them to buy into it so that they are intrinsically motivated to be healthier or to cook or to be a better person? So I think education and modeling. So with our chefs and other staff and even other campers, our students, modeling for them is important. So demonstrate the behavior you want to see and demonstrate the values that you want them to obtain, but also the education piece. And then kind of hands off from then. Like the more you push, the less they're going to receive. So give it to them and go and go with it. But that education piece is big. Like why use um, gluten, why use, uh, you know, whole wheat flour 
versus white flour? Well, because it has a higher fiber content and fiber helps with digestion, but also it helps with uh, decreasing that blood sugar spike. And why is it bad to have a blood sugar spike? And there's a lot of new words. So it's, you know, teaching them in a way that makes sense to them, teaching them in a way that is inspiring to them, and then modeling the behavior for them. And I think those are the three kind of ingredients for instilling intrinsic motivation to be healthier. To be healthier. Okay. I'm hoping that we have healthier kids just it's uh, well, I see too much will. of poor nutrition and it's overcoming yeah. the marketing to buy, eat junk food and process, very processed foods. I often lament. Well, hi, like the thing is about cooking at home, you're, you have control over what ingredients go in it. Yeah. So to answer your question simply, by learning to cook, are you going to be healthier? Well, learning to cook maybe from Rooks to Cooks, yes. I can't speak for the other the other companies because I don't know what, what they're teaching. But yes, because um, we're teaching them all the pieces of the puzzle and we're, mm-hmm. we're instilling that intrinsic motivation and they now have the tools to do it at home. Um, but if their parents aren't going to buy the ingredients they need or um, if they want to go out and Uber Eats things, then I can't, we don't have control over that. The hope is, yes, we're giving them tools to be healthier without a doubt. Okay, very good. Uh, do you think being a chef is a good career choice? Well, question for you. What do you define as a chef? Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, working yeah. in a restaurant, and I guess there's <laughs> lots of different types of, uh, yeah, if you're working in a something like Kelsey's, or if you're working in a big, uh, fancy restaurant downtown. So, yes, I guess it's a difference. Okay. So a career chef, like maybe you're asking me, is it is it being a career chef? So I eat a chef who's working in a restaurant yes. or somewhere where they're cooking and mm-hmm. that's their job. Yeah. Um, Cause as you touched, like I think especially today, and I, I do a lot of this is shed light on the fact that the, the, co- the food industry, yeah. there are so many different types of jobs out there. And it's important that we educate kids on that. And even, you know, uh, young adults on that people who've already invested so much time and energy in, in growing their career in the industry, because if I think back to my life, I always I knew early on that being a career chef wasn't going to work for me. And so to answer that question, you need to know what are your values and what are your visions for your life? And does that line up? Because a chef might not li- being a chef might not line up for everyone, but it might line up perfectly for someone else. You know, if you want to have a family and you want to be a present parent or partner and you want to have weekends off and you want to have holidays off and you want to then being a career chef is probably not the right career for you. But if you're someone who is is someone who really feeds off that creativity and being hands-on and are maybe more introverted and not so social and don't want a family and financially you're not you're not reaching for the stars and you don't want to own multiple properties and you and you want your life to be your work, well then that's perfect for you. But then mm. there are also types of jobs in the industry now that are perfect work-life balance jobs that you could still exercise your passion for food. Like, but I kind of created that for myself. So for me, I knew I love to cook, I love to teach, and I put two and two together. And when I'm working with young people and even doing my business consulting or life coaching these days, I I try and narrow it down to like what is right for my my students or my or my um, clients. What do you need in a job? And then helping them kind of figure that out from there. Because you can make anything work. It's just being a career chef is tough for mm. specific reasons. Yeah. Um, and as long as you don't want them, you're fine. Okay. 
That was some good information. Now, you've been doing this for seven years. Have you heard from any of your former students? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like food brings people together. And I find that this world of culinary education doubles down on that. It, uh, and I, I get really close to people. I'm a, I'm a people person. And my relationships with my students, my, my um, staff, even the parents involved with the community are really, really strong um, relationships that I choose to continue to nurture. And we only got, we only got so many uh, hours in a day. And if I've made a connection with a family that I feel is special, then I'm willing to continue to nurture that and vice versa. So some of the students that I had in 2017, because when I founded the company in 2016, our first su- first summer camp uh, was 2017. Those students in my year are now staff that I have on mm-hmm. my team. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm just so in love with how the process has come to this place. And so I have quite a few first, second year, third year staff who were campers for a couple of years and then became volunteers and then now are staff. And so I have them, but I also have made a lot more, more connections over the years with my direct students and just families, a part of the Rooks to Cooks community, especially over the pandemic. I was teaching 13 classes a week virtually over the pandemic. And uh, for me, those classes and for the families were just our social time. They were they got me through and vice versa. Like I hear it all the time. And funny enough, uh, even though we had only met virtually for like, honestly, probably over a year, some of those families, we made time to see each other. They came up to my cottage. We had snowshoeing (laughs) expeditions together, you know, went to their house for dinner, had some like moments we got together and cooked. And honestly, those families have become family friends of mine. They're not even, it's like, Oh wait, it started that way. I was teaching your kid. It's like these, these, Families are people who are going to be my life for the rest of my life now. So it, that's the beauty of the work that I do. But also, it's not just me. It's the other chefs in my in my mm-hmm. roster who are doing the exact same thing with their own students and other families that they're involved with. Okay, very nice. Now, have any become taken the path of culinary school? Well, so I'm trying to think now specifically who. And I will say there's been a couple who have gone off to culinary school, I know for a fact. And okay. there is one right now, um, Tasha, who, who's been talking to me about her next steps because she's graduating high school and, mm-hmm. and thinking about, you know, next steps. So she, she does want to pursue culinary school. Okay. And a couple of my current students say they do. And my perspective on culinary school is, keep in mind, I, I was a chef for 10 years before I went to culinary school. Okay. And at the time, I went to culinary school after having graduated for my OCT. So I was a certified teacher and then went to culinary school. And unfortunately, I don't think the quality is there. I think that a lot of um, learning can happen on your own. But more importantly, it's by working. So what I do encourage is post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. But I don't think culinary school is a be-all, end-all to uh, catapult a young cook's career. I don't think it's necessary and I don't necessarily think it's the best move. I think getting an undergrad or going to college um, to get some sort of post-secondary education is, is important in today's society. And then from there, or even during that process, go and work, learn, grow, you know, continue to nurture your craft and you will be successful. I think, yeah, that's kind of my perspective on culinary school. Okay. Thank you for that. (laughs) so curious if you've seen a difference among are certain types of 
kids different personalities? Do they like to do certain things or some? It's funny because we get a mixed bag of personalities in all of our programming. I think maybe when it started, when I started the company, we I saw a lot more introverts partake in cooking. Cooking wasn't as cool as it is now. You know what I mean? Like back in 2016, 2017, it wasn't, it wasn't much of a thing. You got like the typical, more introverted, creative kids involved in cooking. And nowadays, there is no rhyme or reason. I think mm-hmm. cooking has become for everyone for different reasons. So we do have more introverted, extroverted uh, students of just kind of mixed bag. Um, and they like it for different reasons and they get different benefits out of the program. Okay. Now, we're... GTA is really culturally diverse. I think that's one of the assets, uh, one of the great things about living here. So do you teach different ethnic, different cultural cuisines? Yes, we do. I'd okay. say across our uh, across our programming as a whole, because depending on the program, we have programs that are more rooted in pastry and baking. Um, some programs that are more focused on that skill development, kind of general cooking skill development. So you get a little savory sweets, this, that. So I do try and incorporate um, recipes from all different food cultures, but there are specific programs in which we teach just that. At, and they are some of our more popular sessions uh, are around the world series, for example. Hmm. I started the company with one. Now I've got three. So we've got around the world. We've got around the world first class. We've got around the world round trip. And the premise of the program is the same. Every day is a different food culture, different country that we focus on. Um, but the countries are different. So all these different programs, you know, if you're a camper who's starting off in around the world, you've pretty much got three years under your belt where you can continue going down this path of investing your energy and learning new food cultures, but like taking on different countries, every program. It's a lot of fun. I kind of am half obsessed with that series, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds really quite interesting. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add to uh, our conversation? Like you've, you've said so much. Yeah, sorry. That's a teacher in me. I can't stop talking. No, that's absolutely fine. And I did want to ask you, like, do you follow any of these cooking shows? Do you have a favorite chef? Okay, well... Marge, so going back to who I am, I'm also kind of uh, just over busy. I I tend to fill my schedule with too many things. And having sold the company, part of that decision was to, um, you know, do other ventures. Like I'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Like Mm -hmm. uh, think back to me as a teenager, I was trying, I had like a candy store out of my locker. I just liked the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, selling and all, I just, it gets me going. So I have new ventures. I have a catering company. I recently got off the ground. I'm a business consultant. I, you know, do some part-time teaching and and development and do projects. It's fun for me. I like doing that. So I'm busy, but uh, I do watch. Um, I don't watch any of these fancy Food Network shows. I think that they've gotten off the mark in the sense like they're entertaining, but I care more about education. Um, and they're not doing too much of that anymore. So for me, I have my great British baking show or my great can- Canadian baking show that I watch with my partner and over the winters. And it's fun and it's it's warm and it's funny and it's good vibes um, and it inspires me. And it inspires our programming a lot of the time. Like, Keep in mind, I've now been this, this year, I think it'll be our seventh or eighth year running our camps. So 
I, I say it on my team all the time. I don't know where the ideas come from anymore. They just, it's just like, it's a lot of yeah. you know, recreating. And sometimes I need some outside inspiration. So a show like Great British Baking Show is fun and it kind of inspires some new ideas for our programming as well. Okay, very good. So I do end the podcast with this, uh, asking all guests the same question. Name one thing you really like about this community. And I realize you don't live in Richmond Hill, but I, uh-huh. I you have, you've been here, you must have a sense of it. Yes, yes. So specifically Richmond Hill. So of the locations, because keep in mind, we have four, we'll have 14 GTA locations this year. Mm. So Richmond Hill is one of 14. Okay. And um, it's funny because you definitely see some personality differences and cultural differences and, and just differences in general across all the different locations. Richmond Hill specifically, what I really appreciate about the community there is their love of food. I think they have a, a specific passion and love. Like it's one thing to be passionate, but that that love and appreciation for food, they have that. I love that about them. And they also have a dedication uh, towards their their children's, um, I guess, growth and development in that area because they love it because they appreciate food. They want their kids to learn to cook, and so they're a very nurturing, supportive parent base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for that youth cooking education. I love that about them. And, and they're, they're serious in a way, like they're, they're here to make sure that the, they're investing their kids energy and things that are going to return for them. And so I do believe they love our program for that reason, because they know that uh, we are the best in, in what we do. And that's important to me. And so they, they appreciate it and they support it and it's like like-minded. So mm-hmm. uh, Rooks to Cooks and them, it's like a match made in heaven. Okay, very good. And thank you for saying positive things about Richmond Hill. I appreciate that. So uh, I will put things in the uh, podcast notes, how to get in touch with uh, you, the program. Uh, you They can see what different offerings you have. Sign up for the summer camp uh, soon. And I know it's, we're just starting winter, but it's it's will be soon time to start signing up for summer camp. So again, thank you, Shay, for making the time to do this podcast. My pleasure, Marge. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at Marge, M-A-R-J, at margeandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.